Here we go. It's January the 19th in the year of our Lord, 2023. You're listening to Law and Gospel. And guess what? It's Rumination Thursday, where we have on with me, Tom Baker, my good friend. And what is your name, my good friend? My name is Wes Reimitz. Boy, that took a while. Did you forget <laughs> your name? <laughs> Thank you, Wes. I wasn't expecting that kind of a, a formal in- introduction. Well, yes, it's very formal. You, you're a pastor of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, right now kind of in a retirement, but still active on Thursdays. And every now and then you run into somebody who listens to our program, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, we got uh, quite a loyal following up here in, in central Illinois, up in the Springfield area, and uh, they'll comment to me about that they listen to us on Thursday, and uh, I tell them, I said, don't you listen to Tom the rest of the week, like Monday, get the Bible lessons, and Tuesday, the end of the day. Right. So that's interesting that we've got that kind of following. But you keep sending me interesting articles to talk about. And the first one we want to talk about is something that the Church of England said on Wednesday. I I, I can hardly understand that. What did they say? Well, that it will allow the blessing of a same-sex civil marriage for the first time, but same-sex couples will not be allowed to be married in his churches. So it's kind of, they they view marriage as a sacrament between a man and a woman, but uh, so that they they won't marry them. But on the other hand, they'll they'll bless the the civil union between same-sexes. This makes no sense to me at all. Under their proposal, and they're coming to their convention to talk about that, is the Church of England's stance that the sacrament of matrimony is restricted to unions between one man and one woman. That will not change. However, same-sex couples would be able to have a church service with prayers of dedication thanksgiving, or for God's blessings after they have a civil wedding or register a civil partnership. What is going on? It seems to me um, a slippery slope in in church doctrine uh, or what we sometimes call a Christian or liberal theology where uh, they can take and modify God's word. I think their their slippery slope is is a point where they're going to do marriages very near in the future. Well, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, who's a spiritual leader of the Anglican Church, said that the proposals will appear to go too far for some and not nearly far enough for others. Boy. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's going way too far for God, and it's not going far enough for homosexuals. Right, right. Uh, I think he hit the nail on the head. Is uh, is God's word going to be the external source from which we follow, or are we going to bow to to the wishes of mankind? Yeah, that's a really important point because what happened, same-sex marriage has been legal in England and Wales since 2013, but the church had not changed its teaching when the law changed. But now it is going to change to the point where it's going to be able to have a church service with prayers of dedication and thanksgiving for a civil wedding of two homosexuals. You know, this reminds me that pretty soon they'll be okaying civil unions of pedophiles because mm. all that a pedophile is is a homosexual sometimes only they also fool around with little children. And you know, in the Muslim faith, Muhammad was married very young child. And so in a lot of areas in the world, it's not wrong to have sexual relationships with little children. And what are they going to do? Hmm. You know, it's interesting as you talk about it. comes about. Hello? Civil misses. You're cutting out on me. It's low. And you, you blame liberalism? Okay. You have to repeat Hello, yourself. You're still there. Out of me. I'm still here. Can you hear me? Okay. You said you blamed it on liberalism. Right. A theological well, liberalism. Another article. Yes, this is an article right. by William Wolfe, who had served as a senior official in the Trump administration a deputy assistant secretary of defense at the Pentagon and a director of legislative affairs at the State Department. Right now, though, he is finishing a Master's of Divinity at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And he has what I consider to be one of the best articles on what you just mentioned, liberalism. Liberalism comes about because we are living in an age of great compromise and confusion regarding the Christian faith. And what does he liken it to? Well, he, he quotes First Timothy chapter 4. He says, uh, the Bible, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and having false spirits of things taught by demons. So he quotes uh, uh, Timothy, God knew that what he was doing was right when he gave the church 
some strong warnings about this. Yeah, his point is, is that we're living in the same sort of day and age that Christians lived in since Christ ascended to heaven. That the New Testament authors, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in the immediate decades following the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, were actually aware of the need to defend the pure teachings of the faith against those who would undermine its doctrine and its uh, application. And so, using the 1 Timothy 4.1 passage, he says that God knew what he was doing when he gave the church such strong warnings. And of course, those strong warnings did occur also in the Old Testament to Israel. What, what did God do to Israel? as a strong warning? Well, he let them be overtaken in, in many exactly. instances. I mean, when you when you talk about the pedophile situation, uh, Cana had that problem of child sacrifices, and that was one of the reasons God destroyed uh, many of the tribes of Cana. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday on Proverbs, that uh, God was really fed up with his people, and he became like a she-bear when you touch her cubs, that God became that angry, put them into Babylonian captivity. Now, the early church, they dealt with certain heresies like Gnosticism, Christological errors, and confusions about the Holy Spirit. But today, we have something to be thankful for in a number of denominations. And what is that? It's interesting, yeah. He said we have creeds and confession. They have the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and for us, the Lutherans, especially uh, the Lutheran confessions. Yeah, the Book of Concord. And even the Baptists, they have what's called the Baptist Faith and Mission of 2000. And so he says, a pernicious strain of corrupted Christianity is what is known as theological liberalism that has made deep roads into the church. So even if you don't know its name, many have encountered some of its teachings. Oh, what, what are some of the teachings? Well, the idea of theology these last three years of liberal theology is uh, genuinely Christian without base or upon external authority. Since uh, the 18th century, liberal Christian thinkers have are argued that religion should be modern and progressive and the meaning of Christianity should be interpreted from the standpoint of modern knowledge. Yeah, that's really important that they don't want to interpret Christianity from the book of the Bible, but from their own knowledge and experience. In other words, what's the trade-off 
that theological liberalism does? Well, it changes the external subjective God-given standard of the Bible. The Bible has the true true word and authority in matters of faith for an individual personal subjective opinion and experiences. What what do I feel today is like? Yes, and that's why a lot of people will be living in various forms of sin because we love each other or they'll have some kind of idea that this is their personal subjective opinion and experience and they'll blame Christians. Well, you can have all kinds of ideas from the Bible. Why can't we have mine? That is referred to as an inversion of the Christian faith. We know who God is and what he wants. How do we know that? Well, he speaks through through his word. So what does liberalism say instead? Well, it trades the thus says the Lord to so says man. That's really important. It doesn't say this is what the Lord says following the Bible. It says, no, this is what man says with our new knowledge. Now, he names a number of characteristics of theological liberalism along with the rejection of external authority. Um, What is one of them? Well, Christianity is a movement of social reconstruction. Now, we're having that problem in some of our universities. What do we call that? Oh, wokeism? Yes, well said. Yeah, as soon as I read that, I thought, boy, that's really good. Wokeism is the idea that the church should wake people up to the fact that there is social reconstruction necessary. And the reason that they say that is because, for example, one of the teachings of wokeism is that all white people are racist and and therefore people who are not white, well, these are people who really need help. They need money. Uh, they, They need laws changed, et cetera. So the task of the church is to create not peace between God the Father and the Christian, but peace between the Christian and the world. Why will that not happen? Uh, Because uh, the world always uh, has a, what do we call original sin connected with mankind? And they will follow its own heart instead of the heart that God has for, for each of us. The Bible, according to Jesus, says all the time, we will have the poor with us to the end of the world. We will have wars, rumors of wars. And signs of the end can be earthquakes, tsunamis, volcanoes, storms, etc. And human beings 
cannot reconstruct that problem. What do they say that Christianity must be in in order for it to be better? Yeah, I found that one interesting. Credible and relevant. What's that mean? Uh, (laughs) You got me on that one. I I I couldn't understand that either. Christianity, liberals say, must be credible. I, I think part of it is... There are a lot of Christian, even professors, who are embarrassed that the Christian faith does not seem to make sense. It's not reasonable. And so they spend a lot of time in showing how the Christian faith can be reasonable. For example, I just read an article by one of them, and he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says, that's reasonable. And you know what his proof is? 500 people saw him raised, according to the Bible, after his resurrection. Now, the problem with that is that's only reasonable to people who believe the Bible. Right. doesn't make any sense to somebody who doesn't believe the Bible. That's just a made-up thing from the point of view of liberalism. So the Bible is not reasonable. It's not according to man's logic. Uh, The Corinthians passage makes very clear that apart from the Holy Spirit, what the Bible has to say is foolishness. I mean, it tells us that we cannot save ourselves by our works. And of course, every religion in the world outside of Christianity teaches that. So, well, you, you mentioned First Corinthians. It also says we preach Christ crucified as stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Excellent. That's a stumbling block. It's not something that makes sense. And so, When we're talking about Jews and Gentiles, we're talking about those who are unbelievers because we do have many Gentiles. In fact, the vast majority of people in the congregations I'm serving are Gentiles, yet they believe in Jesus Christ. And we have even congregations of former Jews who believe in Jesus Christ. So there's a real inaccuracy of biblical facts and events. What does liberalism say about that? Well, it can only be known through symbols and form. The theological controversies about language, not truth, and historical facts and evidence are not crucial so long as we meet Jesus in the pages of the scriptures. How do we we meet Jesus? have we ever found that to be true? Because they teach evolution and there's no Jesus in evolution. There's no need for God in evolution because it just comes about by chance. And it's just ridiculous how many Christians say, well, can't you imagine that God created the world through evolution? No, I can't imagine that because that contradicts what the Bible says. 
that the world was created in six 24-hour days and that when Adam and Eve were created, on the eighth day, they looked up and what did they see in the heavens? God. No. What do you look up when you look up into the heaven at night? Oh, stars. Yes. And according to evolution, that light would have taken thousands of years to come to Earth. And yet, and it probably did. What? But it probably did take that many years for it to that light to come and hit the earth. But I like the way that you refer to it, when it that during creation God said, "Let there be light," and He had the stars and all of that created at that day and at that moment the light was already hitting the earth yes in other words god created the world what scientists think have age they would have been in the garden of eden and they would have dug into the ground and they would have found diamonds which of course takes centuries to come about normally that's why Evolution has so many years because they try and account that everything comes about naturally. And so there's a real division among liberalism. Uh, what does liberalism look like in practice? Well, it denies the key doctrines uh, of, of the Bible, like inerrancy and infallibility. They deny that the Bible is in uh, as uh, as uh, words of God to be received as the authoritative word of God. That Scripture in its entirety is inerrant, being free from falsehood, fraud, or deceit, and serves as the final rule of faith and practice. Yeah, we're really seeing that there's a denial of the truthfulness and reliability of Scripture, including a denial of the historical creation account, events like the flood, the virgin birth, the miracles of Jesus, and often the resurrection of Jesus himself. And they call those things fiction. And you already mentioned the essential doctrine of original sin that is indwelling sin in all mankind from conception. And that means what about the sacrifice of Christ if you deny original sin? There was no need for a sacrifice then. That's right. So, in the present moment, how does theological liberalism, how is it seen? Well, it's often seen as a rejection of the cre creation order and the biblical sexual morality. Denominations that deny the, the truthfulness of God's Word almost always end up rejecting what it teaches about sex and marriage when the world compromises and that is why there's many of the major mainline denominations 
like the Presbyterians, the United Methodists, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, American Baptist, Episcopal, are all LGBT affirming. That's interesting. Well, we just did an article on that. I know. England now is going to okay having a worship service blessing the union of homosexuals, even though they will not marry them. That is exactly what liberalism does. And I think you're going to be correct that it won't be long before they'll be okaying marriage. I don't see, isn't a marriage simply a blessing of a union between two people? That's what I thought. That's right. And now they're going to do it between gays and lesbians, etc. It's a rejection of the creation order and the biblical sexual morality. So once a denomination, church pastor, or leader adopts the core teachings of liberal theology, then biblical denying political positions are adopted as well. What's the main reason that theological liberalism, therefore, is so dangerous? Well, because it destroys the gospel. You know, what is the gospel? You read in Romans 1.16, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The message that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and they are justified freely through the grace of through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ, as we read in Romans 3, and that salvation is found only in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Yes. Liberal theology denies that man is so sinful he needs a Savior. We can't trust the Bible as God's Word. And they teach Jesus that he is not anything more than a good teacher who set an example for moral living. And guess what we're back to? We're back to the proper indistinctions between law and gospel. Well, that's a great article, The Dangers of Theological Liberalism. We'll talk maybe more about this tomorrow. You can email us at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com and we're only too anxious to continue our discussion. Until tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.